0: Hey everyone, Jill here with a little show note. After we recorded today's show, I forgot one very important point. So I wanted to let you know before you listen to the show and are looking for it. For the Olympics, I did a little closing montage of clips from our Olympic shows. I don't have the Paralympics one yet. Going into the Paralympics, we didn't realize just how complex they are as an event, and I also didn't realize that I would have an incredibly steep learning curve with the software we started using in order to generate the transcripts we have for these shows. So there's been literally no time in the day to pull the montage together. I'm doing that this week, and we'll have it for our Contributor Roundtable Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Recap Show on Thursday. Thank you so much for your patience with us. And now, on to the show.
1: Konnichiwa,
0: Paralympics fans and lovers of Shuklostan. And welcome to day 13 coverage of the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics on Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co host, Allison Brown. Allison, konnichiwa.
1: Konnichiwa. I'm so sad.
0: I know. Sad day. Last day of the Paralympics.
1: Not our last day in Tokyo, though, because we're going to do a wrap-up show, right?
0: That is correct. We will be doing a wrap-up show this week. So we're
1: not saying goodbye to Tokyo quite yet.
0: But it is bittersweet because the cauldron has been extinguished and everyone is on their way home and everyone from the organizing committee has tucked in for a nice long nap.
1: Oh, I hope they had a a nice drink first, nice little container of sake, and we'll sleep for several days.
0: (laughs) All right, so we have a little bit of sporting action today. We've got the closing ceremonies as well, a little bit of news and follow-up. The Kyoto News reported that since mid-August, about 300 people associated with the Paralympics tested positive for COVID, so... 300 cases with COVID. Most of these were Japanese residents and contractors associated with the Games. You knew COVID would be happening. At least it doesn't sound like there was an enormous outbreak. But hopefully everyone has had mild cases and is feeling better. And then we're going to talk a little bit about India today in the results. We've talked about them and their results all Paralympics long because they have been on the podium a lot. According to ESPN, so they've won five golds. Up to now, from uh, their participation in the Paralympics, has been from they started in 1968. From 1968 to 2016, they had won four gold medals in that time span.
1: We knew we were saying India a lot. So now we've got the, the facts to back it up.
0: Exactly. And officially, their total me- medal tally is 19. They've gotten five golds, eight silver, six bronzes. Their previous best was four medals in 1984, and also four medals in 2016. So they have, and we'll talk in badminton, that's where we get some more action from Team India. They, they talk a little bit about they didn't meet their medal goal, but I think when you put it in What? I, they didn't. No. When you put it in the bigger picture of how well India did as a team in this games, it's just- leaps and bounds above what they've been able to do before. So congratulations to them and to to all the medalists and all the countries, especially the the countries we saw on the podium for the first time. So
1: many first-time medalists, so many powerhouses like Ukraine, Azerbaijan, that we just don't get to see that much of.
0: And in different sports as well. So that's been very exciting for this games. We usually have a segment called Feed Beefs. Last day, can't beef on the feed. And actually, there was nothing really to beef about, I think. They did a standard multi-sport event coverage. We're cutting to here. We're going to there. We're showing you a replay. Here's an encore performance. Everything. They wrapped up the coverage at the end of the day. It was perfectly normal.
1: It only took them 12 days and only having five sports happening (laughs) for them to manage this.
0: But I wanted to talk about the NBC docuseries that's going on. Right now, I guess part one, it's a three-part series, I believe. Part one was on last week. Part two was on last night. And part three will be on tonight. And I saw a little bit of this to see what it was. It's like a Bud Greenspan Olympic film. Like, full on out. It looks like it's film. It's got what is happening at the games, Plus, the like the portraits, the stories of the athletes that you see in standard Olympic films. It's it's blown my mind that this it has been produced. Some of the segments we've seen before, but they're woven in into the movie in like a documentary kind of way.
1: And they're doing this on the fly because this is about this Paralympics. Exactly. Wow. So
0: it's very quick turnaround. They're getting the story. They even show. I've seen more para powerlifting. In the few minutes of the docuseries, then I had all Paralympics long. And same with they also showed a little bit of wheelchair fencing because they showed a little bit of Bebe Vio. I'm guessing Taekwondo gets shown, too, because of the Afghani athlete who was in that competition.
1: Well, hopefully that's going to be available on Peacock. I I hope so. I've seen it on, I,
0: I believe it is also on the streaming on NBC. Check it out if you haven't seen it and let us know what you think. It looks interesting. Okay. Last time, what volunteer or officiating job would you like? I saw something today and I said, I am pretty sure Allison's going to pick this. I want to be a beautiful butterfly. Oh, (laughs) that is not what I thought you would pick. (laughs) I want to be a roller skating butterfly.
1: (laughs) Or possibly a a light up cloud.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's from the closing What did ceremonies. you think I was going to pick? I'm picking what I thought you were going to pick because this was, okay. one, was my first choice. And I said, no, I think Allison would want this one. When the flag bearers came in for the closing ceremonies, the flags got taken away and lined up. And then they went over to this like Tokyo Tower type building and they had to put mirrors on it so that the Paralympians would help create the city. They were making a cityscape. And there was a woman there who was holding the bin of mirrored discs that they would attach, and she would be all excited. Okay, here, take one, put it on the thing. Oh, yay! And cheer and everything. And then when the flag bearer was a volunteer, who, because there were many, again, like with the Olympics, some delegations had to leave before the closing ceremony. So volunteers took their flags. And when it was a volunteer, it was like, here, take the disc, put it on. Okay, get out. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like, move along now. (laughs) It's so
1: funny you bring that up. The flag bearers who came later understood the assignment. The flag bearers who were first, like poor Iceland, did not understand what they were supposed to do. (laughs) And they kept the camera because they wanted to show the first couple athletes doing this. And the poor Iceland athletes didn't understand what she was telling them to do. She couldn't explain it any differently. Like, clearly, there was no mutual language between them. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of miming what is supposed to happen. And they're just looking at her like, what? <laughs> And then they finally got it, and she applauded them and bowed for them, and they were just like, now what do we do? And then another volunteer comes and escorts them away, and you can see the two Icelandic <laughs> flag bearers looking at each other. I do not know what just happened.
0: Right, and they, it wasn't necessarily obvious that they were putting the sparkle on this tower that would then be erected for the rest of the set. It was easier when you went one, but I think probably that volunteer, because she had to be so effusive and explanatory... <laughs> That became part of her shtick going forward. (laughs) It was fantastic. All right. Before we get get to today's sporting action, this is usually the time in the Daily Recap show where we tell you about our Kickstarter campaign. We've been doing this for both the Olympics and Paralympics to help fund our on-the-ground coverage at Beijing 2022. We did it. We crossed the finish line. Thank you, everyone, who has given to this campaign and supported the show. It's meant so much to us. I'm thrilled. I can't
1: believe it. I feel like those kids at the end of the race and they they don't know whether to jump up and down or fall down on the track crying. <laughs> <laughs> so incredibly grateful.
0: Yes, we appreciate this. The campaign is still going for a few more hours if you want to be a part of it and you haven't jumped in yet. But thank you. So much, again, to everyone who has been on board with this program and supports the show. It really does mean everything to us. If you'd like to check out and see how we did, you can go to kickstarter.com slash profile slash Flame Pod. And backers, we will be in touch with you very soon with updates. All right. Starting off with athletics, it was Marathon Day. And we had five different marathons going on at once.
1: Well, it's watching the New York City or the Boston or, mm-hmm. or London Marathon where all the competitors are going at the same time. And I can't remember if I said this on the air or just you, I liked it so much better than the way the Olympics does it with separating the men and the women.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There were only 66 participants across all five classes. So it doesn't make sense to split it up into different things and create this big course and block off traffic for very small contingents of people. And it's nice because when you're, if you're spectating or you're volunteering, you know, you have waves of participants coming through and it's something to look forward to.
1: There were a lot of spectators, even in the rain.
0: There were, I know they said stay away, but it does make me a little happy inside.
1: The Tokyo residents did not stay away (laughs) and it was hard conditions. It was raining. It was foggy. It was cold. It was a little tough to watch, to be a spectator. It wasn't like a lovely sunny day where you could just get a lawn chair. Mm-hmm. They had to be hardy folk to be out.
0: And the bits and pieces that I saw, they'd roll by tables or run by tables, and they'd be like, here is the sponge table, here is the, and it would be empty. And it's just because I don't think they needed to have the sponges. Because they've planned for heat and humidity, not 19 degrees Celsius.
1: Well, we did get to see the Tokyo Marathon course.
0: We did. That was nice.
1: And it was lovely. Liked it better. Gotta be honest.
0: Well, we can't. I mean, Sapporo was just shoved this race. They didn't have much time to plan.
1: Just in terms of the interest on the side, I felt like Sapporo, all we saw was stores. Mm -hmm. This, I felt like we got to see a little bit more of the city. But we know where the Starbucks is in
0: Sapporo. (laughs) So we'll start with the men's T-54 wheelchair class. Gold went to Switzerland's Marcel Hug.
1: The silver bullet.
0: Silver went to Zhang Yong from China, who got a personal best. And bronze went to Daniel Romachuk from USA.
1: Who I can't imagine how he could see crossing the line because he had his glasses on and they were all foggy.
0: I I tried to go back and figure this out because when I heard he won the bronze, and they showed a clip of him finishing, but every time I found marathon coverage in the overnight, it was always a women's wheelchair class or a visually impaired class. I'm not sure I caught him out on the track. Did you see him actually race?
1: I did. I did see most of this race. So Hugh and Zhang were together, good portion of the race. And then there was this second Peloton, for lack of a better word, of a bunch of racers. So Zhang and Hu came into the stadium. They were pretty close together. And then this other Peloton with the last two, three kilometers started to spread out. But you still had a few racers coming into the stadium at roughly the same time. So it was a good race. All these races, except for uh, the women's vision impaired, were close,
0: Mm, yes, yes. The women's uh, T-54 wheelchair class was really close as well. Australia's Madison de Rosario won with a Paralympic record just a few seconds before Switzerland's Manuela Scher. And bronze went to Nikita de Bo- Den Boer from Netherlands who got a personal best.
1: One second separated.
0: Oh, geez.
1: Silver and gold. And then four seconds separated silver and bronze.
0: They it were was, battling
1: it into the stadium.
0: Mm, watching at the end, the camera angle that we saw was head-on for the finish line, and you could see Manuela share just smile in a you-got-me kind of way. Like, well-played. I didn't do what I had set out to do, but I tried, and you just bested me.
1: And in her post-race interview, Madison de Rosario said, I knew Manuela was right there. I didn't know how close. And she said going around the stadium, she had two thoughts, that she really wanted to win, but if she wasn't going to win, at least it was Manuela.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: So there's definitely a, a relationship and respect between those two athletes.
0: And then the Americans, Tatiana McFadden, finished fifth. And what's Suzanne Scaroni's story?
1: Suzanne Scaroni was in the lead by herself until about three kilometers to go and then just faded on the last climb.
0: Just couldn't keep up
1: and ended up in sixth.
0: Oh, that's too bad. Climbs will do it to you. And Tatiana McFadden's finish was actually quite good considering that after Rio, she had developed blood clots and couldn't compete, couldn't train for about 18 months. So the fact that she's at these games and still meddling and doing entire marathons is really fantastic.
1: She ended up with a complete set, a gold, silver, and a bronze. And she is now going to do the full fall marathon series. Yeah, she's doing Berlin, New York, Boston, and Chicago.
0: Wow.
1: Boston and Chicago are on the same weekend.
0: Oh my goodness. Because Boston is usually in the spring and it's been postponed till fall due to the pandemic. But wow, that's going to be. I hope she's got a good massage therapist who can help shake out her arms.
1: And a really good travel agent because she's got to get from (laughs) Chicago to Boston overnight and prep and recover. Not easy. Get her a plate of pasta.
0: And then the second type of marathon we had was for visually impaired runners. That was the men's T12 class. You could run with or without a guide. Gold went to El Amin Chentof from Morocco. Silver went to Jared Clifford from Australia, who ran with guides Vincent Donati and Tim Logan. And bronze went to Hirokushi Tadashi from Japan. And then in the women's T11 and 12 class, which is combined, gold went to Michishita Misato from Japan, who ran with guides Shida Jun and Aoyama Yuka, who set a Paralympic record. Silver went to Elena Patova with guide Grigory Andreev from RPC. And bronze went to Luzanne Kutzi with guides Badenhorst and Klaus Kempen. And they're all from South Africa. She set a world record for the T11 class.
1: So marathoners can use up to three guides mm. in the race so that they can switch off.
0: Much like we saw in the 1500.
1: Yes. Watching... Mitsushita win was so fantastic. Getting that Japanese medal in the marathon on the last day. It's what you hope for. That's the moment. And she's all serious when she's running. And then at the end, she's laughing and crying. And just a little talk about a pocket rocket.
0: And I noticed on their medal ceremonies. Not all guides got medals during the ceremony because Michishita tried to give her guide the medal at first. They tried; she tried to do the "I give you the medal, you give me the medal." But at that ceremony, they weren't giving guides medals. And I saw in a, it was either this one or another ceremony where the guide was getting a medal, and I I didn't understand like why is one set with a guide not getting a medal and one is but that was because I'm this is me speculating but I'm pretty it's an educated guess one guide through the race I would imagine that if you have more than one guide they wait and give all the guides medals at the same time
1: just like they do in relays when if you've swum in the prelims of a relay you get the medal later
0: that is my hope that's what happens The the final marathon we had was a men's T46 running class, which was an upper body impairment. Gold went to Li Chaoyang from China, who set a Paralympic record. Silver went to Alex Douglas Pires da Silva from Brazil, who set an area record. And bronze went to Nagata Tsutomi from Japan, who was thrilled. The two Japanese men who won bronzes were just like over the moon, beyond excited to be able to achieve this at at home. We've wrapped up play in badminton. We had wheelchair classes for most of the Competitions. So we started with women's doubles, WH1 and WH2 class. These are wheelchairs, so they play on a half court. Gold went to Satomi Serena and Yamazaki Yuma from Japan. They beat Liu Yutong and Ying Menlu from China. And bronze went to Sarijat Pukam and from Thailand. In the men's doubles, WH1 and WH2 class, Gold went to China for the team of Mai Jianpeng and Kuo Zimo, who beat Korea's Kim Jong-jun and Lee dong Seop. Bronze went to Japan's Kajiwara Daiki and Murayama Hiroshi. In the men's singles WH-2 class, gold went to Kajiwara Daiki from Japan. Silver went to Kim Jong-jun from Korea and bronze went to Chan Ho-hwan from Hong Kong. Japan did nicely on the last day.
1: They definitely bumped their standing on the medal table.
0: In men's singles, SH6 class, this is a standing class for athletes who are short of stature. Gold went to Krishna Nagar from India. Silver went to Chu Mankai from Hong Kong. And bronze went to Kristen Coombs from Great Britain. Again, when I saw this, I got all excited because India is atop the podium again. And we know that they've just crushed it compared to previous Paralympic Games performances. This is their second badminton gold. And Nagar had said that India had committed to winning five to six medals, and they won four for badminton. In one sense, you go, well, you didn't achieve your goal, but by golly, the whole team has done great. (laughs) Let's not discount how fantastic the team has done.
1: And I'm glad to see India having those kind of, of reach goals. Because we we know from reading Abhinav Bindra's book that sometimes sport gets the short shrift in India Mm -hmm. and doesn't get the support it needs. So to do so well and fall a tiny bit short may actually be the best combination of outcomes for them to get more momentum and more money.
0: Exactly. In the men's singles SL class, this is a standing full court, low level impairment to both legs or one side class. Gold went to the reigning world champion, Lucas Mazur from France. Silver went to Suhas Yatiraj from India. And bronze went to Saitawan Freddy from Indonesia. And then the women had one singles match today. It was the SL4 class. Gold went to Chang Hefan from China. Silver went to Ki Oktila Leon Ratri from Indonesia. And bronze went to Ma Huihui Hui from China. And we finished the competition with the mixed doubles SL3 to SU5 classes. This is a combination of either an SL3 and SU5 athlete or two SL4s. Gold went to Suzanto Harry and Otila Liane-Ratri from Indonesia. Silver went to Lucas Mazur and Faustine Noel from France. And bronze went to Fujihara Daisuke and Suginu Akiko from Japan.
1: I wonder if the Indonesians did the gold medal dance like the Olympic badminton (laughs) players did.
0: (laughs) And they've had a pretty good day today as well. It's nice because China has been fairly dominant in this competition and in table tennis. But today is really a nice mix of different athletes from different countries. In shooting, we had one more competition for the Paralympic Games. It was the mixed 50-meter rifle-prone SH-1 class. These athletes can support the weight of the rifle, and they shoot from either a sitting or standing position. Gold went to uh, Veronica Vadovice from Slovakia, who set a Paralympic record. Silver went to Anna Norman from Sweden, and bronze went to Juan Antonio Sevreda Reinaldo from Spain. We had the gold medal match for the women's sitting volleyball competition. Oh, man.
1: This was a match.
0: Fantastic. And I, did you watch the NBC feed or the OBS feed?
1: The NBC feed.
0: Which was so exciting.
1: <laughs> Carrie miller Ortiz tried to control herself and then just didn't bother anymore. <laughs> And then Tanith White got equally as excited. There was a lot of yelling from the booth. It was like Rowdy Gaines and Scott Hamilton, the oh, old uh, right, right. skating commentator, got together in the booth.
0: <laughs> it was a great match. USA beat China 3-1. to one. They were up two sets, and China came back and won the third set. So they went to a fourth, and it basically was don't discount China. Don't count them out. They could very definitely come back. And take this. But USA held fast. They rallied. And they pulled out the gold medal victory. So they repeat as gold medalists.
1: The last point was on a service ace by a girl who had not played the rest of the game. And she's all of 20 years old.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. I think she had come in before to just serve. So she served her point, got the point, and then came off the court again, swapped out. So... Yeah, it was – when we were watching it, we were just like – we knew she was coming in to serve, and she was a, a great server. We didn't expect that the the serve she hit was going to be an ace. And it was just like, wait, that happened? It was fantastic.
1: It was like that goal ball overtime that was over in one throw. We were all
0: prepared. <laughs> we were sitting in for this long slog, and then all of a sudden
1: it's over, and oh, my goodness, what just happened? But really good play again in the gold medal match.
0: Right, and – Long rallies sometimes, it was just they both sides just would manage to come away with making the ball go where they needed it to go. And I think China issues in the beginning were getting called on lifts or getting called because you were on the wrong side of the two-meter line, that kind of thing. And those mistakes added up real quickly for them early on. But then when they rallied and got – they regrouped and came back and were very solid in that third set. But – not enough time. Not when the U.S. can also regroup. Rounding out the podium, gold went to USA, silver went to China, and bronze went to Brazil, who beat Canada 3-1 to one yesterday. In the men's wheelchair basketball competition, another great game. Japan started off really strongly, like hitting shots. Their field goal percentage at the beginning of the game was phenomenal, but...
1: The commentator made a point of saying that it was like big brother, little brother playing basketball. And his point was Japan is a young team. It's relatively new on the international scene as a powerhouse. And they kept hitting shots and kept hitting shots in the first half were so amazing. But the big brother USA, which sounds dismissive, but I got his point, was like, no, not quite. No, we're going to pull out a little bit. Just that one little bit better, the more experienced, the being able to come back from behind. And it felt like that in a way. Once he gave that analogy, I said, oh, I see what you're saying because Japan had so much enthusiasm and so much energy and so much. I'm just going to throw it all out there and try shots that nobody else should take. And the U.S. was very patient and just waited. Okay, you're done. Now I'm going to show you how it's done. And then Japan was like, no, I can do this. I could do this. And then throw everything at it and get ahead again. And then the U.S. would just patiently come back. It was really fun basketball and two very different styles again,
0: Very nice. which I love
1: on the international uh, scene.
0: Very nice. So yes, the U.S. did beat Japan 64-60. Very tight match. Japan at the end just Like, the tears from some of the Japanese players were just heartbreaking. But you did win a silver. But excellent game, excellent tournament. Wheelchair basketball was just a lot of fun to watch. The bronze medal game also happened prior to this one. And Great Britain beat Spain 68-58. to And it's sad. There's no more competition left.
1: No more of those pretty medals and flower arrangements. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. But we did get a lovely closing ceremony.
1: Lovely. It really was lovely. And it was so different than the opening ceremony, Mm -hmm. which you want. And it reminded me a lot of London, the Olympic closing ceremony, because it just felt like we are just going to throw all sorts of crazy things and you don't know what's happening and there's a lot of light and flash and isn't it fantastic? And you just sit there sort of like, I have no idea what I'm watching, but it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was uh, tons of light, color, music everywhere. The um, athletes were already staged in the middle of the field, and, which I thought was a smart decision. And then later on in the show, they brought in the flag bearers to, to have that honor as well and be part of the ceremony. But they did a whole thing where just lots of dancing, montages,
1: Millie Tapper made an appearance in the opening montage.
0: Which I loved. I was so excited to see her. Did
1: you wave? I waved.
0: (laughs) I was like, Millie! Children singing, which is always what you want. (laughs) The costumes were a
1: cross between the Pillsbury Doughboy and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man (laughs) from Ghostbusters. (laughs) You always want to see singing children, and they were beautiful and lovely, but those costumes distracted me. But costumes, my goodness, the costumes.
0: Very cool. Tons of work went into them because they were all very different. It was like they wanted to uh, portray regular Japanese people in everyday life wearing regular clothes because they were showing the Shibuya Crossing intersection, which is very busy and vibrant and a place where you see a lot of different stuff everywhere you look. They got that feel with just so much to look at and you can't take it all in.
1: And then there was all the people in costumes who were the beautiful butterflies and the LED clouds. And I did not understand everything that was happening, (laughs) which to me is what a closing ceremony should be. (laughs) The closing ceremony should just be so much light, so much color, so much joy. And this had that.
0: And then they brought in these buildings, and by buildings, I mean, I, I heard Ahmad Farid say something about old kimonos being repurposed to make these. I am not sure if I understood that correctly.
1: I heard him say that, too, and it almost, the way he said it was the kimonos from the opening ceremonies, mm-hmm. the I costumes mean, for the yeah. opening ceremonies, but I didn't quite understand how that would work, so we'll have to look into that a little bit more because they did have a soft look to them, like they would have been billowy. Yes. So I could see that it could have been made from fabric.
0: But they were very cute because they were just, they were billowy and puffy and skyscrapers. And then as we said, they had a a Tokyo Tower and then they had another tower that was bedazzled by the flag bearers. And there was a lot of dancing and music with people who couldn't make music necessarily and percussionists and wheelchairs who had drums on their wheels and pads on their bodies that were different symbols kind of things it was just a lot of fun
1: did you cry when you saw the afghan athletes
0: i didn't see them to be quite honest the i missed Af- them the for two some
1: afghan athletes brought in the afghan flag started to cry
0: mm. it'll get you i hope they get to their next destination safely
1: agreed the best moment for me mm-hmm They did a special thank you to the city volunteers and the facility volunteers. One of the women had a service dog. (laughs) The service dog had a volunteer uniform.
0: That was fantastic. They also had a little montage with all the volunteer stuff. And it was basically like every job we wanted to do, which involved cleaning.
1: (laughs) I was really surprised in that montage, how much of the security positions they showed. Because they showed someone using like a metal detector to check for bombs under a car. And I was surprised that they included, we all know that happens, but that they would highlight some of those things, mm-hmm. the cleaning. Yes. And man, there was cleaning going on that we did not even know about.
0: Oh, I know. All I could think was in 25 or 45 years, when people go back to look at this, cause they'll have, Plenty of video from these games to look at. And they'll look at this montage and go, what was going on? With all of this cleaning of the balls and <laughs> and tables.
1: You know, sort of like how you and I would look at pictures of air raid drills. Mm-hmm where kids would go under their desks. And that's more our parents. And it's so strange to look at. You're like, oh, what did you think duck and cover was going to do for you in an atomic bomb? (laughs) And I wonder if that's going to be the look at this game. What did you think spraying the, the ping pong table was going to do for you?
0: We didn't know any better right now. But I just thought of that as just a historical moment to recognize. It's going to be interesting to look at these games in the future. The handoff between... Tokyo and Paris. Oh.
1: First of all, both mayors were so fierce with their dress choices.
0: Oh, see, I thought Governor Kawike from Tokyo, stunning. Oh, her dress was so stunning. And then I thought Anne Hidalgo, who, who is no fashion slouch, and her dress was lovely, but then it was I thought it was like the ankle pants of dresses.
1: I it, loved the color.
0: The color was beautiful. It was like a peacock blue. And just very stylish, and it was elegant, and when you saw it up close, you saw details that you didn't see far away. But Governor Koiki just wore this very flowing black and white geometrical gown that up close, the fabric was puckered a little bit, so it flowed and billowed even more. It was so elegant.
1: But wasn't it so Tokyo and Paris? It was. You know, in their fashion statements, it felt very much like Tokyo handing over to Paris. And I didn't notice this at the Olympics, but I thought today, I wonder if this is the first time it's been two women involved in the handover.
0: That could be. I I would not be surprised. But then the Paris presentation. Oh, this one. Killing it again. Yes. And I thought it was better than the Olympic one, to be honest. I did.
1: Much shorter.
0: It was shorter. So in the beginning, they had a dance troupe that included people of all levels of ability, but they were all seated and so that they could all be seated with those who were seated in wheelchairs. And they did a kind of a dance with their arms and and forearms and hands. And at the end, they ended up spelling Paris 2024, which I just loved this whole thing. I thought it was very cool to watch.
1: Very clever. And they made a point of saying that exactly 15% of that troupe were people with disabilities going with the We the 15 campaign.
0: Yes. And then they moved back outside to uh, the Eiffel Tower and had another, let's crowd around and have a DJ. The DJ had ALS. And so he controlled his turntables and and computer setup with his eyes. He had a voice uh, adapter with that. So he could speak every now and then with it. And that was really amazing to see. And they had, some dancers and some break dancer type things and, and acrobatic type stuff going on. And it just was lovely.
1: And then at the end, they showed the Eiffel tower CGI'd with a prosthetic. So that one oh. of the standing legs of the tower was a prosthetic. And then the CGI'd Paralympic flag.
0: Which looked very much CGI'd compared Not to. Not as good the- as the
1: Olympic version that they did. But yes. You know, did you have the same. Reaction to the Paris event saying, oh my God, put your masks on people. But again,
0: yeah, that was my big problem with the Olympic version was that it was a big crowd of people, but it was a lot of fun. I'm so looking forward to Paris because based on the competition here and the level of competition and the abilities of these athletes, Paris is just going to be phenomenal.
1: And I'm hoping we will get many more countries coming
0: mm-hmm.
1: because no COVID, we hope, and traveling being easier to yes. Paris versus Tokyo. I hope.
0: But I'm hoping that the French people are inspired to just put on a great games. Within Amid budget, Harid
1: was ready to go to Paris right
0: now. He was, he really was. It's, is somebody from embassy listening? Because remember how we said Hashimoto Seiko never got any airtime on these opening ceremonies? Oh, they would go to commercial and they'd come back and they'd show stuff or they'd tell you while we were away, this happened. And this time they actually showed Hashimoto Seiko giving her farewell speech.
1: And gave a little translation as she was speaking, which is my thought all along was because she was speaking in Japanese, they just couldn't be bothered. But now, what a little effort in there, NBC. Thanks.
0: And then your favorite, Andrew Parsons, got up to say his speech. <laughs> What was
1: really funny was his enthusiasm was not being matched by the crowd. (laughs) I think the athletes are probably, they were a little exhausted. I don't think the weather was terribly nice. I think it was still cold and and damp. And he's, wasn't this the greatest games ever? And then you'd hear a smattering of applause. Like, I'm cheering for you, Andrew. At the beginning, he says, it's a great games. What more can I say? And then he went on to talk for another five minutes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i like apparently a lot andrew <laughs> oh i'm sure he has a lot to say anytime he's a talker he's an effusive passionate talker
1: and i don't mind it
0: he's right they were a great games it was so sad to see the cauldron go out
1: and this one the musical run-up to closing the cauldron got me because they did this beautiful version of What a Wonderful World with multiple musicians and singers and people of different abilities. And then the children's choir comes in and then just they continue to play a few final notes with the piano and close the cauldron. And I thought the Olympic cauldron closing, it's the same cauldron, killed me the first time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The way they did the music this time, they played with my emotions.
0: They did. Oh, it was really emotional and heartwarming and heart-wrenching all at the same time. Felt
1: very final. Like, we really are saying goodbye to Tokyo.
0: It was fun. Tokyo, you did a great job with what you had.
1: Man, how they pulled this off. Still, I'm going to be in awe on this. Whenever we look back on, you know, we look at history, this is going to be one of those, I still can't believe it happened
0: probably and to pull it off and we know that the organizing committee has to close up shop basically so they'll be around for several more months at least to the end of the year and i'm i know we're just going to hear stories of how much these games cost and who's paying for what and i just i hope that doesn't overshadow the magnificence of what happened in the competitions for both the Olympics and the Paralympics. And I hope it doesn't overshadow how much it meant to these athletes to get to compete because it's been so hard for them to do what they do and to have your job, your role, your purpose in life taken away because of the pandemic is very hard and frustrating. So it's nice that the games could happen in some way, shape or form. May not be what we thought, but they happened.
1: You know, after the marathon, when they interviewed Susanna Scaroni, she said, even when we were watching the Olympics, we weren't sure because we knew what we had talked about. She reiterated, if something went wrong, they were going to cancel the Paralympics. And she said, until I got on the track, I didn't believe I was going to get to compete. And I think a lot of these kids felt that way, that until they were in the venue and the competition was happening, there was always that chance that they were going to shut it down. And the fact that they made it through, yes, 300 COVID cases is no joke and not to be excused and not to be pushed aside. And yet it could have been so much. I mean, what they were predicting was thousands of COVID cases, people bringing COVID back home all across the world. This was going to be a worldwide mega spreader event and it was not either the Olympics or the Paralympics. Amazing job Tokyo.
0: So well done. We knew that these were going to be a phenomenal games. Different phenomenon than what we originally thought. When we said the first time, oh there's one year to go. And the first time we said it's an Olympic year, but phenomenal nonetheless. And It's nice that Paris is only three years away because of the inspiration that the athletes, especially here in the Paralympics, the inspiration that these athletes had given and getting to watch these competitions. I'm so glad we get to watch them again in three years and not four, because I think it's going to be hard to find some Paris sport to watch in the meantime. Maybe it'll get better, but I, again, it's going to be like, oh, I love Modern Pentathlon. I watch it once every four years. And now you can just add, oh, I love sitting volleyball and wheelchair rugby and gold ball. I watch them once every four years.
1: Do you think someone will let me try wheelchair rugby?
0: Oh, I'm sure. I really want to try it. <laughs> oh, Oh, I'm getting on that one. I'm getting on it i would totally do
1: that go really fast crash into people of course i'm like five feet tall so they would just be like the little girl we don't have a wheelchair that small
0: oh no they would find something they'd get something <laughs> to fit you please the, that Make sport, it happen enc- that sport encompasses all point values <laughs> and they'd want you on the team because you would give them that extra half point
1: I know. I'd give them a lot of points because my skill level would be very low.
0: You would be the half pint who gives the half point. (laughs) Fair enough. Oh Okay. That does it. I keep wanting to talk, but there's like the cauldron's out. There's nothing. That's why we do
1: a wrap-up show, Jill, so we can come back after a few days and we sleep on it and
0: and find another hour of stuff to talk about because that's not going to be hard. So,
1: uh, not hard. I got a list. Do you want to see my notebook? <laughs> <laughs> stuff we have not talked about Excellent. over 12 days. I've got notes. Excellent.
0: A quick shout out to our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for your ongoing contributions that support the shows financially. Extremely grateful. To our patrons who have stepped up and been there for us for a long time, and also for the ones who came on during the Olympics and Paralympics, that bumped us up to be able to offer transcripts for the show, which we've been enjoying during the Paralympics, and we'll keep going forward, and we'll be filling in some backlog as we have availability for that, and it's so exciting to be able to be a more accessible show, and it's also horrifying to know how we talk. So thank you, patrons, for helping us see our run-on sentences and our incomplete sentences. And thank you, listeners, for putting up with this garble. I don't even know. Like I look at this and go, do we make sense? Are we speaking English? We're like the Icelandic
1: athletes and the Japanese volunteer. <laughs> Somehow we manage to communicate what the assignment is. <laughs> And the patrons understand.
0: Yes. So thank you, patrons. If you would like to be a part of that, you can go to patreon.com slash flamealivepod. And for the last time from Tokyo, it's time to say sayonara. As always, you can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com. Text or voicemail us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. We are at Flame Alive Pod on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. And don't forget, if you have not joined the Keep the Flame Alive Facebook group, please do so because we have a lot of fun. It's been so much fun hanging out with the group during the Paralympics.
1: Listener Kaori has given us lots of From Tokyo pictures and stories.
0: You'll find that and much more there. We'll be back on Thursday with our regular weekly show schedule again. So as we go out to music by Mercury Sunset, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive.